Hey, uh, I, I thought it's, it wasn't for free, I thought. You know, I know Pastor Ken went to Colombia. I think he brought a good coffee for me, so thank you. So it's not for free. Um, hey, I hope you guys had a good week. Uh, I had a terrible week. I, I, I don't know what I did. I, mean, I was traveling, but came back for three, four days. I didn't do anything. You know, it was a big Valentine's Day, but it wasn't that special. But anyway, I hope you guys had a good week. For some of you, it was a big day on Friday. But anyway, whether good week or bad week, it's over, right? We have a new day, new week starting. So with that anticipation, let's look at the scripture. Um, if you came, when you came in, you probably received that... Uh, um, one page that has First uh, Peter chapter 2 in it. So if you don't have it, please go grab it. But let me begin um, today. I'd like to continue on from last week talking about, once again, First Peter and what that means to us. If you remember, um, we talked a little bit about First Peter, how we began. But today I'd like to talk about five identity markers or simply what the scriptures say about who we are. Something as to uh, who we are in Christ, so our, our, our own identity. So, but give you a brief background. I love this, uh, um, um, this map. If you go to Bible Project, uh, just search Bible Project, there's like tons of videos that kind of lays out what each book of the scripture is all about. I love, I wish we had this when I went to seminary, because <laughs> we had to kind of really figure it out, and, you know, watching, through, I mean, learning through cartoons is a lot better, actually, than through thick commentaries, but First Peter, you know, really is just briefly explaining, um, I, I, you know, shared with you last week, but it's written by Peter, he used his, his name used to be Simon, right, but he's got a new name, Peter. He was, a, I mean, the leader during early church. He was Jesus' disciple. His name means something, right? It's rock. So it's not the, the, rock, the rock these days, but Peter had the original name rock. But it's really about, okay, during the time when persecution was beginning to happen, right? It was localized persecution, as I explained. It wasn't like statewide, but locally people were being abused, taken advantage of, so it was a harsh time. It was kind of beginning that period. So people have escaped their hometown, spread to probably today's Turkey, where like in the caves and mountains and the, the wilderness, they were trying to live like a refugee, starting their life all over again. Now, once again, Peter's focus is about, okay, during this persecution, persecution time for Christians, he was guiding them to how to live their life more practically as a followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, imagine we're not like facing persecutions these days, but still, when you go through hardships in life, how do you live a life that is consistent as to being a follower of you know, Jesus Christ? So I think we can learn through uh, some lessons through just looking at the scripture again. So last week we talked about living hope. Uh, Peter talked about being born again, and today we're going to move into chapter kind of two. Not only that, chapter one begins with the, this new identity. Once again, you have to put the scripture in the perspective. It was written to people who are living under fear, under uncertainty. They didn't know what was going to happen next day or this week. 
They were really afraid. They, they left with the little that they had, so completely removed from their comfort zone and trying to live a new life with a new identity in Christ, which I'm going to be talking about. So today, we'll talk about okay, what Peter says to these people. He calls them chosen, you know, you're you know, God's possession. And so we're going to listen to scripture one more time. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to just read chapter 2. Is that okay? Shorter. But also, uh, I mean, we, we use different versions, but I love Eugene Peterson translate the entire scripture to message version. I know earlier, Psalm was read in message version. Message version is like a street language, right? Everyday common language. I love it, Eugene Peterson. So we're going to listen to Eugene Peterson's translation. So on the top, 1 Peter chapter 2, message version. So let's listen to what God has to say. I'm going to pray, and we're going to listen together. Lord, we thank you for a new start. Uh, we thank you for a new day and a brand new week starting. We, we want to hear from you, Lord. Uh, not, not think about what had happened this week, past week, or last month, but we want to focus on what you have to say to us as we begin this new week. So we ask that you help us to remove all the distractions that we have, remove the, these thoughts in our mind, just, Lord, fill it with what you have to say. So speak to us, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So clean house. Make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. You've had a taste of God. Now, like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. The Stone Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workmen took one look and threw it out. God set it in the place of honor. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you'll serve as holy priests, offering Christ-approved lives up to God. The scriptures provide precedent. Look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honor. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret it. To you who trust him, he's a stone to be proud of. But to those who refuse to trust him, the stone the workmen threw out is now the chief foundation stone. For the untrusting, it's a stone to trip over, a boulder blocking the way. They trip and fall because they refuse to obey, just as predicted. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government.
the kind of life he lived. You who are servants, be good servants to your masters, not just to good masters, but also to bad ones. What counts is that you put up with it for God's sake when you're treated badly for no good reason. There's no particular virtue in accepting punishment that you well deserve. But if you're treated badly for good behavior and continue in spite of it to be a good servant, that is what counts with God. This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong, not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your healing. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. Eugene Peterson wrote another book called uh, Eat This Book. Interesting title. The book title is Eat This Book. He shares about how to really listen or read God's word. And he describes as, you know, Bible says to meditate on God's word. It's like an image of eating. But it's not just eating. The word comes from how cow, I mean, when he's when they eat something, they keep chewing for over and over and over because they got like four stomachs. But Eugene Peterson explains as it's eating is like you throw a bone at your dog. Anybody have like dogs at home? I mean, they eat this thing for a whole week, right? They work on it. They lick it. They chew it. They hide it. They, they find it again. So, I mean, I hate to say that for God's word, but eating you know, or the, the meditating God's word is that. So we're gonna, I'm going to give you just short minute or two. You just read something, but try to meditate in silence. Visit some of the verses again and see what jumps out. It's like as if we're really chewing it, right? Or licking it to see, okay, what jumps out? What is God speaking to me? So I'm going to give you a minute or two of silence to see what really jumps out to you personally. Okay, um, well, I mean, for me, when I first did this, what jumped out is the word stone. Just like he mentions stone, living stone, precious stone, cornerstone, stones that are chosen by God, you know. And if you look at NIV on the other side, similar things. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting because what Peter's name means, I guess, rock. So he really loved stones. So he's really using the metaphor of stones a lot. But uh, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk about stones. But this morning or this afternoon, I'm going to talk about five identity markers, because I think there's full of it. Paul is saying to these people who are exiled, meaning they had to escape. Similar word was used when Israelites were captured and taken to Babylon for 70 years. So Paul's writing to, in the similar metaphor of these early Christians, where many hundreds of years ago, Israelites were taken as a captive. But now, same thing for Christ followers, who are also the exiles. And he's writing about who they are. Last week, we talked about, once again, living hope as a result of being born again. But it continues on, 
Paul is once again, I mean, Peter is explaining to early Christians who they are. So I want to begin with the word identity or self-perception. What is a self-perception? I found the, you know, the meaning from the dictionary. Self-perception allows people to gather important cues from their external environment and apply them to understand what attitudes or emotions they are experiencing internally, right? Meaning, if I ask you this question, who are you? Or who do you think you are, right? We, we look at, okay, what people say about me, our external information, right? What people say about me, how they view me, and we kind of internalize it, and we make it our own. So... I mean, to, to, to really do this, I, I don't do this anymore. I used to, but, you know, for, for human beings, hey, you stand in front of a mirror, right? You, you probably had to do that this morning. When I was young, I used to do that. Just like, okay, work out, and then you should look at how much, you know, muscle you got. But these days, I don't because it's kind of depressing, right? But, I mean, you look at yourself in front of a mirror, and who... Do you see? That's the question. That's, in a sense, self-perception. That's related to, I guess, identity. If you look at yourself from mirror, what do you see? Who do you see? Found an interesting image. Maybe some of you is like this, right? You have a bigger view of yourself. You may not be all that, but sometimes what people think they are, oh, okay, lion. In fact, you're just kitten, right? Well, that's like, but no one to blame. That's like self-perception. Someone thinks really you're like a lion, but you're just a cat. Well, for others, on the other side, we're confused. We don't know who we are. In fact, we all wear this mask, and if it's taken off, then we're afraid that some people will find out who really we are inside. So... People, we know this, I mean, people th go through depression, uh, go through some hardships because you really don't like yourself. You don't like what you see in front of a mirror, right? You're afraid of how others will look at you and you're not really sure of that. So, some people see themselves as a loser, that you behave like a loser. Some people see themselves and they are in reality a victim, so it goes through life, painful experience of you are victimized, so you, you, you really struggle to overcome that. Some people think they are creative, that you live creatively, or some people think you are uncreative, then you really struggle, right? If you have that job career that defines you, depends on how creative you are. So, I mean, this is about our identity, but today I'm going to talk to you about what Peter says, especially verse 9 and 10, and this is kind of really well-known verses. I had to time myself because I get really excited. I'm going to talk too long, so I'm just timing. I'm going to cut it because I don't want to talk too long. But here it says, but you are given identity to these early Christians who are struggling. So you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have 
receive mercy. I'm going to focus on these two verses plus verse 5. Five marks of, okay, who you are, okay? Five identity. First, let me choose the first one. You are a chosen race. What does that mean? I think first mark is that you are then accepted. What Peter's describing to these early Christians who are struggling during persecution, right? That you are a chosen race. What does that mean? We know that in history, Israelites were really the smallest of all many nations during that time. So they were really the ones who get beat up all the time by other nations. They really were insecure group of people. Uh, in fact, living like that for a while and then now living as a Christ follower and that you have to escape because there's a danger approaching. You cannot raise your own kids because it's so dangerous. So they had to have escaped. So Peter writing to these people, you are chosen race. What does that mean? I think that means Paul, I mean Peter talking about how accepted they are. Now, we spend our entire life trying to earn acceptance, don't we? We begin with trying to be accepted by parents, then friends, then your teachers, then later on, you go to college, you get a job, then you, get a, you want to be accepted by your bosses, your peers, later partners. We spend entire life trying to earn respect from others. We want to be accepted. That's one of the strongest human desires that we have. We want to be accepted by other people. Um, and we, that's why we then study hard. We try to get better career. We even buy things because we want to look good so that we be accepted. Now, I had this moment of what this means this week. My son, my second one, uh, he got acceptance letter. First one. Not an Ivy League school. <laughs> but he was so happy. I was happy. Oh, at least one accepted him. So the fact that he got accepted is, means he wasn't rejected. Of all the schools, okay, first one applied, once again, not the best school, but the fact that he was accepted, he was chosen. Woo! Out of hundreds of people, he was chosen. So, Peter's saying the same thing. The fact that Israelites, Christ followers accepted is, they weren't rejected. This is the group of people who have, once again, escaped because they were fearing the rejection. But Peter encouraged them, no, you are except your chosen, chosen nation. And I have to say, wow, to this day, same thing. We are chosen. What that means is not that we're special than others. Simply we are accept, accepted by God. Right? And message translates you know, this way, the same verse, you are the ones chosen by God from, love it, nothing to something, uh, from rejected to accepted. So if you're sitting here in God's presence, I like to begin. First identity begins with, you are chosen, you are accepted. Number two, Peter says, people of his possession. What does that mean? I think second mark is you are valuable. Now we cannot put 
uh, a worth of a person, right? I mean, how do we know how much is, I mean, how, how, what are you worth? I'm not talking about how much is in your bank account, how much your company's worth, right? I wouldn't, you know, worth much because, well, I'm just being honest. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, I don't have much. But, I mean, we're not talking about that kind of worth. But I know the world talks about net worth, right? Self-worth. Uh, are we really valuable? Um, and I think uh, Peter's saying to this group of people, what to say? You are people for his possession. What does that mean? What is something, I mean, how, how much is this, this item worth? It's worth based on how much someone else is willing to pay for it, right? So, I mean, this iPhone is worth, they set the price based on the consumer, how much they will pay for that particular item. Well, that's kind of the worth of an item. But for a person, how do we know how, how much are we, we are worth? We can't really put a price tag, but I know how much someone is really worth. I figured this even when I had three kids, Oh, when I had my kids, I would do anything. I would do anything, especially, I don't know about my boys, but for my daughter, I would do anything because she's so precious. I mean, you mess up, I mean, you mess with my daughter, you have to mess with me, right? So, I mean, still, like, she's 14, so, man... She's getting really popular. I mean, she's been popular because she's a gymnast. And I mean, some of you know my daughters. I'm watching the boys because <laughs> no one gets close to her because, I mean, she's my baby. But I know the same feeling for every mother. When you are born, your mom would do anything. Even she will die if she had to die so that you can be born, right? So you are worth as a human being, that much because your parents really loves you. I mean, most of the parents. Some parents are not, you know, perfect. So, well, I love my daughter more than my boys. I mean, so she's worth that much more? No, I don't know. But I will, more than anything, we are made in the image of God. That is our self-worth. So, what Paul says, not Peter, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians is that you've been brought Paid, you've been bought and paid for by Christ. So in other words, somebody pay for our life. And how much that person paid? Well, costed life of Jesus. So that's why Peter goes to say we are the people, and he, when he used the word people, it's a unique word, laos in Greek. It's a people that has an intimate relationship with God, and he also uses the word possession. It's not just having something, but someone had to pay to possess that. So when Peter says, well, you are God's possession, then you are purchased, right? You cost, I mean, it costed Christ's life. So it is true that if that's true, oh, then look at someone next to you. Can you? That person is special because that person is bought by Christ. You know what? That means you should treat one another with respect. Because everyone is in, made in the image of God. Whether criminal, 
with a homeless person living in the streets, we have more and more of that, they are made in the image of God, meaning they are so valuable. And Peter, once again, it's we are God's possession. And then moving on, he uses the word a royal priesthood. Oh, I swear, what does that mean? We are royal priesthood, right? We are, and in fact, First Peter, uh, for chapter two, verse nine, we are God's instruments to do His good work, speak out for Him, and tell us of the night and day difference be made for us. The word priest, in Latin word, can be translated as the word bridge. The role of the priest in Old Testament was that they had a direct relationship with God, right? So people could not somehow enter into the temple by themselves. No, they couldn't do that. They had to go through what? The priest who functioned as a mediator, right? Not only that priest had a direct relationship with God, they, they performed certain functions to reconcile people to God. Now, all that has changed as a result of Christ. Peter says, you are, meaning not you, just some, all of you. Well, that's kind of scary. Have you ever thought of yourself as priest? That's scary, right? No, I'm not. Even I'm a pastor, I don't see myself as a priest. Well, I mean, to, to put this in today's context, it simply means we are the bridge God uses us as a bridge. In other words, then we are capable. We are usable in the kingdom of God. God uses us, right? God uses us to be instrument, he says, to do his good work. Speak out for him and tell others of how good he is. So when Peter says, oh yeah, not only we are accepted, not only we are valuable, you, we are capable. In other words, we have work to do, guys. I see a lot of empty chairs here. Praise God. We have opportunities to fill this place. We become the bridge between God and whoever that we know as friend. Now, a lot of people don't go to church anymore, right? Isn't that true? <sighs> I think really harvest is plentiful. I, we were talking in Colombia. You know what? I, I don't want to say this. Our parents, our parents' generation are fading out. I, I, you know, there's like a lot of Korean churches, and I, I, you know, that's my work. I visit a lot of churches. I could literally see them fading out. I mean, physically dying. I don't think really future is for first generation where Korean speaking, it's gonna decline. But I think now it's your chance to take over because you don't have limitation in your language, culture. You live in a place where you have coworkers, you have neighbors. Wow, so God can use you as a priest, as a bridge to reconcile people. Don't you know a lot of friends who are struggling? Don't we? We do. Oh, people who don't know God, they don't know how to deal with difficult times. So good news is our identity, we're capable. God uses us and God will use us. Amen. Fourth, we are being built. We're going to jump into verse 5. 
And verse 5 says, well, in NIV version, NIV, we are being, it's a process, being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. What does that mean? Being built, once again, it's happening. It's not done yet. So it's in the process. So what he's saying is Paul is, I mean, Peter is saying it's that we, we are being built, one, as individually and also with, as a corporate body. Individually, Paul said, you are what? The temple of God. God resides, you no, know, that's a big statement. That's a pretty crazy statement. Because Old Testament, where was God's presence? In the temple. Because God's glory was contained in the temple, so people went there to worship God. But in the New Testament era, where is God's presence? In us. Have you ever thought of that? No wonder Paul says, don't abuse your body, right? Because you are the temple of God. Um, very important statement. But this process, we are being, being built. We're being made. Right? Same thing as not only individual, individually, but as a church. A church, because Dogamsa EM is one church. But we're part of the church. You know, Apostles' Creed, you use the word Catholic church, right? So people say, oh, we're not Catholic. Why do we say that? Well, Catholic simply means universal church. God is doing something. Redeeming the world, right? From the creation till now. We may not see it, but God is at work, right? Psalm chapter 121 says, God never sleeps. He's at work. Of what? Redeeming the world. So we are being built. Well, some of you, God is at work in you. You have to really check. If you're being born, I mean, if you're born again, right? God is at work. And how do we really know that? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, how do we really, can, how, how can we test whether someone is really born again or not? I wish there's like a test kit, you know. When people come into the church, we just take a drop and, uh-oh, you're not. <laughs> we don't know. But we know ultimately when difficult time hits, right? Being born again, we're born again into a living hope. You know, there's an interesting, oh, interesting story that, True story, happened in Nashville. You know how these days there's like a ring, you know, doorbell that captures like, a, you know, what's outside? This bell captured image of the house across the street, suddenly, suddenly just collapsing. I mean, there's no tornado, nothing but just house standing still. Next moment just collapsed. They did investigation, this house full of termites. <laughs> This house just collapsed because, I mean, the whole structure, the whole, I mean, everything was eaten by, like, there's nothing. It's out, out, you know, outwardly, it looked like it's standing, but it collapsed because there's nothing, nothing in it. Well, I think it teaches us a lesson. We cannot judge a book by its cover, right? It's really what's inside. Well, I have to say, if you're born again, you're born into living hope, God is at work in you. So those are, once again, identity markers. You are accepted. You are uh, valuable. <laughs> you are 
capable and you are being built. But one last thing. You are forgiven. Right? Verse 10, I love verse 10, how it says. Verse 10, it says this. Once you are not a people, but now you are people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now the word mercy, if you study really closely, it means compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to punish or harm. Right? Mercy means we don't deserve it. Not only we don't deserve it, we deserve a punishment because we committed crime. I deserve a punishment, but when Paul says, well, we were what? People of, we were, now we are people of God, have now received mercy, but now we have received mercy. What that means is not that we just don't deserve, no, we deserve a punishment, but God forgives. The word mercy here, oh, this is the most important identity marker. We are what? Forgiven. Someone says those three words are the most powerful word. You are forgiven. You deserve a punishment. You are forgiven. Now, I don't know how to put this in our context. I didn't do anything bad. Oh, yeah, we have sinned against God. Last week, I used the image of this virus. We all have it. We're all dying. We don't, we, we don't have coronavirus, but we have another virus called sin. It disinfects us, disintegrates our life. That's why we are all dying. We are all dying from the moment that we are born. There's no cure for it. But Jesus died on the cross, right? Not only that, we deserve, we deserve a punishment. Not just going to jail for four years, but for eternally, because of the sins that we have committed for rebelling against God. Good news is that, wow, now we are people of mercy. God has given us mercy. We don't deserve it, that's grace, but we receive it. But in fact, we deserve punishment, eternal punishment, but God forgives us. Amen. That's our identity, accepted, right? Valuable, capable. We are being built and we are forgiven. Oh, why? Because of amazing love of the cross, right? And Peter, once again, encourages early believers in their struggle. Remember that. You have a new identity. And hey, Togamsa friends, I have to say this week, remember these five markers of your identity. You are accepted. Yeah, valuable, capable. So let's be used by God, right? Once we're not a people, but now we are God's people. We're chosen, right? Amen. Let's pray together. You know, God is in the business of forgiving sin. He can take all our sins and wipe out clean because of the cross.
that we deserve for punishment, but God forgives us because of the cross, because he loves us. Oh, may he use us this week to be the agent of hope, right? To do good works because we are God's people. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this good news that we have. We look at our own lives and Lord, there are times we get disappointed because we question our worth. Sometimes we get insecure about future. We live in uncertainty. But Lord, we thank you for the good news that we are chosen, we are accepted, accepted by you. That you bought us by dying on the cross and being resurrected. Lord, help us to live into this new hope that we have this week as your people. In Christ's name we pray.